0: You are listening to How Does She Do It, episode 103. Welcome to the ride. Thank you for joining me for another episode of How Does She Do It? My name is Tiffany and I'm your host. And through this podcast and my coaching, I help you own your story, live fueled by faith, and elevate your impact in your career and in your calling. If this is your first time listening, welcome. If this is your third, fourth, fifth, sixth, one hundred and third time listening, welcome back. We are happy to have you. The show notes for this week's episode will be available at howdoshedoitpodcast.com. And if you are interested in joining our How She Elevates podcast community on Slack, then you can text How Does She Do It as one word to 444 999. Again you can text how does she do it as one word to 444-999 or you can go to bit.ly/h as in how s as in she e as in elevates slack to join the community And if you haven't had a chance to do so already, your five star ratings and reviews are continued to be welcome. You can go to Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast player and leave a five star rating and review, and it will be greatly appreciated. And with that, let's get into this week's Just My Thoughts. Just My Thoughts is the segment of the show where I share my reviews, recommendations, or rejections. And this week, I am recommending Crushing by T.D. Jakes. I started listening to that book probably three weeks ago, and I picked it up again today. And when I tell you the gems that are dropped are super powerful, I'm gonna share one with you. I'm listening to it on Audible, and I'm actually thinking about buying the physical copy, even though I'm on book buying probation because I'm moving and I shouldn't be bringing things into my house when I'm preparing to move and go somewhere else. So one of the things he said was, God did not arrange every single detail of your life to this point to leave the weight of your future in your own hands. And if that was not a word, I was listening to it when I, that part, when I was walking back from the gym and I had to stop in my tracks and I was just like, are you serious? Because what a lot of what he's talking about in, around this particular section is our desire to know and control and to understand how things are going to happen. But one of the other things that he said was God does not need us to know how we're going to grow. He just needs us to trust in his process. Like we don't have to know what is coming ahead. God just needs us and expects us to trust in the process and trust his process. So those are just two gems. I actually think I might put, I might do an episode around this, this book and actually we'll probably be making it a book for the book club that we're going to have in the how she, how she elevates Slack community. So if you're interested Join the Slack community, but I think this is going to be a great, a great opportunity for discussion because it's just so powerful. And I'm only an hour into the book; like, I still have five hours left of the book, chapter five. So that's how many that's how many gems are going to be in here. So again, I'm recommending "Crushing." The subtitle is "God Turns Pressure into Power" by Bishop T.D. Jakes. And I hope you get it. If you do, send me a message. Connect with me on Instagram. I'm at tiffsouth. South. And I look forward to hearing from you. And that concludes this week's Just My Thoughts. Today's episode is going to be a little bit different than usual because I'm going to share an interview that I did with my friend Ken Cheadle over at the Adverse Effect podcast. Ken is a coach and he is a is someone who's really committed to understanding the growth opportunities that come from adversities. So he talks about talks to people about different types of experiences that they've had and how they have learned from those experiences and then how they can then take the tangible things that they learned and share them with other people. And when I listen to the audio from this interview. I it was one of my favorite conversations that I've had because of the way I shared so much about my experience and so much about my journey, and I've it got really vulnerable, I was really honest, and there's some really, really good lessons and gems, and so I wanted to share this with you. It is a little bit longer than usual, but I hope you bear with us and listen all the way to the end, and I would love your feedback. Send me a message on Twitter or Instagram, I'm at south Tiff with two Fs, and I would love to hear what you think about this episode, and I hope that you enjoy. Really, I'm presenting it as an opportunity just to learn a little bit more about me, especially if you're new to the audience, if you're new to the podcast, and if you're a longtime listener, it'll just give you different insight into some of my experiences and kind of some of the drivers as to why I do the work that I do today, particularly around making sure that I am encouraging people around their growth, around their development, and and making sure that they find the benefits in all aspects of their experience. So here goes my interview with Ken Cheadle on the Adverse Effect podcast.
1: Tiffany 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 I'm so glad to have you on the show like really excited to have you on the show like I was telling you a little bit pre-show I've been a big admirer of your work the type of motivation that you give people the insight that you give people and then of course once people get a chance to hear about your credentials and all that stuff we'll do that you know they'll hear that piece of it um, it's just like wow You got all this going And then you give It's it's what you give Through your platform that I'm like Okay It ain't just a little bit Of nothing You're giving nuggets Like people can make You know Big big career moves Off of this But they gotta pay attention So I'm glad to have you On this show To be able to share Some of this information With the listeners
0: Thank you so much For having me man And I want to say I appreciate you And I appreciate The platform That you have created We have been Internet friends If you will For it's been some time And we've both grown Our respective platforms And the work that you do and the heart that you have for people is just um, is super dope. So thank you for the work that you do for sure.
1: I appreciate it. Yeah, Life coaching, man. (laughs) It has been a journey like it took me on a nice little journey. I've decided to incorporate it in other things and other businesses and whatnot. So I don't do it full time anymore. But I definitely enjoyed the journey and helping people and talking to people and still do just don't, you know, do it for. For the cost, yeah, anymore. yeah, but yeah. Boy, yeah. it wore me down. Man. <laughs> <laughs> that's
0: <laughs> but why you like, gotta take care of yourself. Self care is just as important as as caring for others. So you have to you have to give and and receive as well. Whew,
1: that's good. That's impressive. Like, and I'm just now getting on that journey here in 2019. I'm just now around Like, hey, you're forgetting about somebody, and the main mm-hmm. person that you're forgetting about is you. Like, I am. Mm notorious for, let me help you, let me do for you, let me do this, can I help, you need? Okay, here I am. And then I mm-hmm. look up, and I'm like, man, I'm, I'm still, like, you know, I finally got to a point to where finance is okay and stuff like that. I'm like, I'm still missing something. Something's yeah. not making me happy. And I was like, oh, you, you're not doing for you. You don't even know what you like anymore. So mm-hmm. I'm on that mm-hmm. journey. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that's mm-hmm. an interesting one. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. what I want to talk to the listeners about today is just, you know, first and foremost, we got to back this up a little bit. Tell the people where you're from.
0: I am from Hempstead, Long Island. Shout out to New York, Nassau County, Long Island. Nice. And it's a, a lot of people, any, well, not let me say a lot of people, people who are familiar with Long Island will often associate it with the Hamptons or mm-hmm. with money or with the North Shore. And the part of Long Island that I'm from is where it's a lot of black and brown people, a lot of hardworking people, a lot of poverty, and also a lot of challenges at the same time. And so I come from a place where people always are, they learn to be resourceful, Mm-hmm. And despite what I remember hearing on the news about, you know, my neighborhood or about my school, there were so many people who cared about me, who cared about my community, who poured into us. And so, you know, I'm I'm blessed to be a product of Hempstead, New York, and always make sure that people know that that's where I'm from.
1: I love it. <laughs> that's like the best intro we've had for somebody talking about where they're from. I love it. And, and it does debunk a theory because I didn't know that. I'm thinking, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm thinking totally other. when you're like, I'm from, so when I first, soon as you said it before, you said everything out there, I'm like, oh, yeah, she grew up there like that, huh? Mm-hmm. And you're like, nah, it's actually, it's us. like, really? That's news yep. to me. Okay. Yeah. Now, do you currently, where do you currently reside?
0: I reside right outside of Philadelphia. I work in Philadelphia and live in the suburbs of Philly. And I have been here for more years than I thought I would be. Uh, I came here (laughs) straight from undergrad and have been blessed to... I did graduate school and law school here and started my career in Philadelphia. I tell people that, you know, when you go... I was 17 when I went away to college Mm -hmm. and I moved to Philadelphia right after I graduated. And I say, people, I became an adult in Philadelphia, right? I moved here. I was 21 years old and I'm not 21 anymore, but I am... uh, Um, I am blessed to have been, have learned a lot in Philly and, and really have, it's another great place that people underestimate. Philly is an underdog city, as we saw with, um, you know, with the Eagles in the Super Bowl last year, I'm a Giants fan. So let me just put that out there first and foremost, (laughs) but, but yeah, Philly is a, is a great place and a really good place for, I think for young professionals. And I've been blessed to, to call it home for the last several years.
1: I love it. So you went to school, went to college, where'd you go to university at?
0: Cornell University up in Ithaca, New York.
1: All right, now see now why wow, this is near and dear to my heart is because I'm an alpha man. For all the people there out there, all know. the listeners, yeah, and absolutely. So, yeah, I actually took that pil- uh, pilgrimage journey uh, a couple of years back and went up there, and I got pictures and everything. Oh uh, yeah. yeah. So I went to like where the jewels, like did, it was, it was an amazing experience. I, at first, I was like, I'm not gonna feel nothing. When I get up here, this is just gonna be, um, you know, one of those things. And I got up there, I'm like, wow, really. You know what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah, and it, you
0: feel it even when you're not an alpha. Like I'm a delta, and mm-hmm. so I remember. I remember when they first built the memorial right outside of the bookstore on campus, uh-huh, uh-huh. and how special that was. As knowing that this was the place where Black Greek life was born in this country, so it was. It's it's a it's a it's a special place for multiple reasons. But shout out to the brothers of Alpha Phi Alpha. Yeah,
1: shout out to the ladies of Delta Sigma Theta. So like in my family, all the women are deltas except one. We have one auntie that is an AK.
0: <laughs> saying, you know, a sister in service You know It's yeah. alright alright
1: <laughs> <laughs> And then my Um my uh, everybody else is Kappa's in my family except my grandfather, he was an alpha, and then uh-huh. so there came me.
0: Okay, okay, so a little <laughs> couple rebels on both sides. There. Yeah, so- yeah,
1: we gotta, you know, we gotta <laughs> fight, we gotta fight. So, you you went to school and you got a law degree?
0: Yeah, so I went to, um, so I did my master, my undergrad at Cornell, and then I came actually to Philadelphia first for my master's in social work. Oh, nice. So, when I was a student at Cornell, I realized, I realized around my junior year that my grades were not probably not going to get me into law school, and I wasn't sure. I tried to figure out what step I needed to take in, real, in order to bridge the gap, the academic gap between yeah. my undergraduate performance and me getting being a candidate for law school. And so, so I kicked did a it. master's.
1: Just real quick, you backed up, you kicked it.
0: Oh, uh, you know, uh, you know, it's it's funny because I, I worked really, really hard, but oh. I was underprepared for the, for the academic rigor of Cornell University, yeah. like straight up, and it it was, and I, I had an amazing academic experience, I learned a lot, I learned to work really, really hard, but them grades were just mm. not quite, that curl, you know how they say that curl, wouldn't quite <laughs> turn it over, them <laughs> grades, It's not. White. <laughs> quite in that curl, yeah. and uh, you know, I scrapped for every little, every little B minus that I got my all my way through there. But um, nice. by the grace of God, I graduated in four years nice. and was able to get into um, an amazing master's program at the University of Pennsylvania mm-hmm. and studied social work. And the social work degree is honestly, I think, what changed the trajectory of the way I thought about the human experience and my own experience. Yeah, and that's what kind of led me indirectly to kind of the work that I do now when it comes to coaching and and recruiting and career development.
1: Nice, nice, nice. So what was that experience that you saw in social work, I'm assuming, to mm-hmm. like, hey, this is something that's grabbing me. I see something here where people are facing some, I, I like this space. Like yeah. what was that?
0: So what it was, was really social work is, is an, is so interdisciplinary, but really what it comes down to is understanding the way that people interact with systems and the way systems affect people. And I studied clinical social work. And so I was, I was training, I was on a track to become a therapist. And so I learned a lot about the, you know, we did the diagnostic manual and a lot of therapeutic techniques and things like that. But for me, what, what really stuck out was it helped me recognize because one of the most Important things as a social worker, at least in the way that I was trained, was to be very aware of your own stuff, mm. and to, um, so that you don't risk transference and projecting your issues or your challenges or your beliefs or your concerns onto your clients. Because it's about you know self determination and and helping your clients recognize the strengths within them, and so you don't want to negatively impact their experience based on your own. Ooh. And so as it was, it was super deep, and as yeah. I was learning. All of these things, I was like, yo, there's a lot of stuff coming up for me here. Yeah. A lot of stuff coming up for me based on, you know, my childhood, a lot of experiences that I had not, that I had been running away from addressing for a really, really long time. And at the same time, I just got very curious about how people arrived to where they were. Yeah. How did this person, how did this particular situation impact this person in this particular way? Oh, and yeah. then how do they navigate their self through from this place to the next place? And so that kind of continued and planted the seed that I even carried through law school and then eventually out of practice into admissions and then eventually doing recruiting now and, and career coaching.
1: I, I like the approach of the social work because mm-hmm. I think that we all often give advice, opinions, and push off onto people, our experiences. Like, just hearing that, like, like I, I've learned of pieces of that through coaching, but just hearing it as a refresher and just knowing, like, dude, you know, you probably... I commonly do that, and I know so many other people that commonly do this, and you're giving people this advice and these thought processes through based on your experience and not really taking yourself out of it to look at the situation for what it is. So I really like that approach. Uh, the other piece that I like is the understanding like you you, that's that intrigues you to kind of find out how people got to that point and that is definitely something that I love like I love I like because I I hate when people like well this person is a such and such or this person is this that and the third or what's wrong with this person why they act like this and I'm like they just didn't come out the womb like this you know life had to happen right let's seek understanding like let's Mm. find out why this person got there so for me I, I love that puzzle to kind of because then it makes people like I may not agree with you but at least I understand you.
0: Right. You said something so powerful there. You said seek understanding and Mm -hmm. seeking understanding is the thing that it's a thing that people don't do enough for themselves. Mm -hmm. And they don't also they don't give that same grace to other people. And so if I don't seek understanding about myself. How will I then know to seek understanding for other people? Yeah, exactly. right and so if you don't learn to do one then it's going to be very difficult for you to understand and be able to do that for someone else and I mean you just look at the state of this country and we will not get into um, yeah.
1: the, the, the that, politics. A whole nother podcast <laughs> we can roll on it yeah.
0: but it's a, it's, a, it's a perfect living example of what it means on a very macro level when individuals do not know how to seek understanding and refuse to hear themselves yeah. or hear other people.
1: Right look, Yeah, look, man, I know exactly what I want Reference you're referring to, and sorry, I gotta go here, listeners. Like, go get a loan, like, what. Like, do you know how like like when it do like you're a billionaire, so you're just like, Oh, you ain't got no job, just go out there and get a loan to carry you through it. Like, really? Right. If it was that simple, then we'd when all be in better it. place. Exactly. We'd be in a better place right now. Like, forget exactly. that check. Let me get this loan, bubble on this business, and you know, make it pop. And it's exactly. just not that easy. It's not that simple. Yeah, it's because, not that simple. And you know, another thing it showed me was like a lot of us are in a space where we're living paycheck to paycheck. Like yeah. that's what that opened up for me, to see it in yeah. these adult eyes. I was like, Whoa, mm-hmm. everybody's like, you know, all the food, you know, people in high up position, I'm like one paycheck away from it That's all it. crashing down. You know what I mean? So, yeah, we got to get a little bit more financially responsible, my mm-hmm. good people out here. But anyway, you mentioned also something about like you talked about, like, you know, having these things. So let's talk about like, you know, as you going through the social work or whatnot, mm-hmm. at any point throughout the story, what did you feel like something that any of your past experiences were starting to affect your growth and where you were going.
0: Absolutely. Um, so I am a survivor of childhood sexual abuse. And so I knew leaving college, I knew, you know, honestly, throughout my entire development that this was, this was going to come home to roost at some point. And I just didn't know, didn't know how. And when I'm learning about being a therapist, but I'm afraid to go to therapy I was like, okay, something is incongruent about this. Yeah, And that that was really what, I, when I spelt when I my internal resistance to the idea of me going to do the thing that I was being trained to do for mm. other people, and I said this is not okay. It wasn't until it was a few years later, so it was not while I tried to go to therapy when I was in graduate school, and I was like I went to one session, and I was like, you yeah, know, I'm not ready for this. <laughs> and so, <laughs> it wasn't until I was in law school that I recognized that if I was to have, I knew the kind of future that I wanted to have. I wanted right, right. to be able to be a, you know, a whole woman. I wanted to be able to have a great relationship with, with God. I wanted to be able to have a healthy relationship with a husband to have children, all those things. But I knew that if I didn't address these things from my past, mm-hmm. my future was going to be it was going to be inhibited by that. And so, you know, I ended up going into my first therapy appointment almost with an agenda. And I was like, listen, here's just a quick, and my, my my therapist, she cracked up about it, but I was like, here are the things. And this is, and again, that awareness that I talked about, yeah, I yeah. was so hyper aware of the issues that I that I had mm-hmm. and what the potential pitfalls could be and not even potential, but the things that I had seen showing up in my life, I was like, okay, here's what happened like high level. Here's what was, what we're going to need to talk about. Here's some of the things that I'm hoping to get to. Can we, let's get, let's get to work. And that was how I began my journey because I was like, it's no longer an option at this point. If I say if I if I say what I want for my future, I can't continue to live like this in the present and in and in my past. Even if I wanted a future that I said I wanted,
1: that probably took that therapist by surprise. She's like, "What? <laughs> like, I mean, because like, how often do is, is somebody like that much aware to where like, hey, this is what we rocking through. We gonna go through this thing, and they're like." Oh, well, this is interesting. She did
0: acknowledge that it was unusual. She yeah. acknowledged that it was a little it was a little uncommon, but um, but appreciated it nonetheless because it gave us a really clear starting point.
1: I love it. <laughs> I, by the time I like, so like for me, I've always had self-confidence insu- issues, and I think it derives from so many different things. Uh, you mm-hmm. know, growing up, poor, so you're always picked on by kids. That's just something. I think every, if you grew up in poverty, you probably got that experience. So everybody probably got that PTSD to some degree, right? But the other pieces was my learning ability. Like, you know, I could not keep up or learn because, you know, we wasn't practicing learning at home. You know what I mean? Like once we got home, it was survival mode. So everybody's trying to survive. Mm -hmm. So we didn't have time to do homework and things like that. And over, you know, you miss that one semester or a quarter or whatever as a kid, maybe not so bad, but this starts to become a reputation, I mean, repetitive for you, then you start to get behind, right? And I found myself like, you know, always pretending like I got it, but I didn't get it and, you know, doing so much more just to keep up, you know, I mean, with other peers of mine and and to a point I kind of tricked myself into learning the way that I learn, And I have my own little way. I've talked to my therapist, about it, like, how did you come up with that? But I'm successful at it because the other ways of teaching and learning, I just couldn't grasp it. Um, you know, when you're in certain environments. Like, I'm one of those kids that needs that one-on-one attention opposed to a, a big group of class. Like, I don't get it in there. And if we got some class clowns, I'm definitely not going to get it. You know what I'm saying? So I went through that, and it just carried a piece of me. Like, I always felt like I wasn't. Who I said I was when I got to these other spaces, these spaces of success, like that would still draw me back, and I'm like, man, I'm not, I'm not. what do they call it, um, uh, something. Imposter that, syndrome. Imposter syndrome. Yeah, I'm like, I'm not supposed to the be here. Syndrome. Exactly. So I was walking this Absolutely. down And every space that I was going through, like whether it was college, uh, the military, like all these different things, I would shoot my success down by saying, you know, you ain't even supposed to be here, you know what I mean? Because you get that and you're told that too, you know what I'm saying, by others. Like, you ain't supposed to be here. So this all kind of drums in. And it took me until about maybe two years ago or a year ago before I started to go get therapy. Like, I've been to therapists for the military and, you know, that's a whole different ball of wax. <laughs> but going to a therapist for yourself is different, you know what I'm saying? I mean, in that space, you know, you're going to start talking about personal things. And because of the marriage that I had, there were so many things that I came in outlined like, hey, this is my problem. And because when you're in a marriage, that other person is going to tell you about yourself. Like whatever mm-hmm. you don't know about who you are, if you're in a committed relationship with somebody, a serious relationship, you're going to start to see the other side of you. The mirror comes in and you go have like in, in the early stages, I grappled with not believing it. Of course, because, you know, other people hadn't told me these things uh, for whatever reasons. And, you know, in previous episodes, I've told people this because they either needed the financial support from me. So they not go like, I'm not about to knock this man down. he be helping me out. Or we cool or I'm not going home with that dude. He ain't my, you know, so they don't care. You know what I mean? And then, you know, I find myself circling around to him like, hey, I was told this. Do you think that's true? And they're like, yeah. Like, Huh? Why don't you tell me? You know what I mean. So these things come about, but you know, I went in there with a, a nice little list, like, "Hey, bro, this is my problems." Boom, 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 and he was like, "Really?" Like, so he was even shocked. Like, you, you, you think you figured out your problems? Like, I knew I had other things, but I knew directly, "Hey, these are some things that have been shown to me. I believe it to be true. I need to fix this." You know what I'm saying? Where
0: we need to start. Exactly. This is to start. I mm-hmm.
1: think, like, you know, um, I'm one of those people that, like, if somebody's telling me something about myself, like, like. I would say the bulk of my success is that I'm teachable, not academically in the sense, you know, classroom, but teachable that if you tell me something, I absorb it. Now I do have a thing that I'm working on, which is sometimes when people tell me stuff, I still have that default mechanism where I'm like, Mm-mm, you're not talking. Nope, 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 nope. But Defense, I'm uh,
0: resistance right, right away. Yep.
1: Right. But I'm attentively, I'm very attentively listening to what you're saying and I'm digesting it. And my, I'm now na- na- uh, in about it and everything. And the next day, I typically, if I feel like, okay, you know what? That was right. I enacted, that. Even if I, I, I went away kicking and screaming, like, my mentor's like, dude, blah, 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 blah. I'm like, no, you should do this. I'm like, Mm-mm, whatever, whatever, whatever. And then the next day I'm doing these things, like, so we've kind of gotten this little running joke, like, dude, you got an issue. So I'm working on that. Like, I want to be able to, to receive it and process it in a good way to begin with because, you know, sometimes you can push people away doing that, but it's like, you know. I'm working on that, but I'm but I'm very. All, we teachable. all got our
0: own process, right? We all got our own process. It <laughs> takes time, and it, it definitely is, and it has to be intentional. And what I'm hearing you talk about is the intentionality of the effort, yeah. even if it's not instantaneous. When somebody gives you a piece of feedback, you are now recognizing the importance of being able to. Okay, I've heard this thing. I don't. It doesn't feel good right away, mm-hmm. but and that's and that's something that I think a lot of people. Often it's like because something doesn't feel good, they automatically think it's un- untrue. Mm-hmm. And so, so there's this the saying that feelings are not feelings are real, but they're not always the truth. Mm. And sometimes our feelings can actually lead us away from the truth because that. because the feeling that the truth gives us is mm-hmm. deep, and it's like oh wait a minute that can't be, and it's just like wait you'd have to listen to it, and that's why you have to do that internal analysis mm-hmm. because what you want to do is verify the information. Is this person just coming at me and are they completely off base? Mm -hmm. Or is there some evidence of, is there some truth in what they're saying? And if there is, and you think about this in the career context, if you're getting feedback from a supervisor or whatever, you could be stank about it, but you're missing out on an opportunity. Even if that person is coming at you crazy, maybe there's some truth there. Maybe there's something take away from it. And a lot of people are not necessarily built and self-aware enough to actually do that reflective work. And so they miss out on a lot of growth opportunities because of that. I
1: mean, because that same thing I was talking about with my studies or whatnot, or not being able to academically get things, like I wasn't really good at knowing when to put the commas. Like I got the period down. Well, I'll I'll do some run-on sentences, too. I ain't going to lie. So all these other pieces, and I got this—my first job, you know, was at Cerner Corporation. Some of my listeners know what that is, and it was—I was a test designer, so I wrote test out, you know what I mean? So I write out, like, you know, like, if you're turning on your iPhone, like, click the left button, boom, 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 you know, or turn off the right button. So I'm writing these scripts out, and I was submitting them to my manager, and she's like, hey— I mean, I think I was asking her to for a promotion or I go to a different role she's like hey you got some grammar problems and I was so offended by it. Like, you know what I'm saying? I remember walking off crying. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> like, what you mean I got? Because it wasn't that I didn't recognize a haggard and problem. I was like, I got that. It was just It's just it was, not
0: fun to be called. You can't be right. calling me out. Like, right. I know they'll be calling me out on my stuff. <laughs> right?
1: It hurt <laughs> to hear from somebody that wasn't family and all this other good jazz. So I remember it was this uh, lady, which is still a mentor to my to this day, Monet Jones. She came in and she kinda she saw me, saw what I was going through, like, hey, I'm gonna help you out. And for months, we would, I would send it to her first. She'd be like, nope, you need to do this and the third until I finally got it. And I'm like, "Okay, right, I got it. And then I got good in that position because, you know, that helped. But the piece of it was I was willing to go through it. Some people get that information, they going home, and they're like, forget this place. You know what I'm saying? But I'm like, I had to eat a lot of humble pie to go through that piece of it and then recognize and then grow from it. And that's hard, you know, as as, as a young adult too, you know what I mean?
0: Absolutely and I'm in a this kind of Devotion group and, and we've been studying The book Proverbs and Proverbs So much of what Proverbs talks about Is the importance of being open to Correction mm-hmm. because the person who's not Open to correction is a, is a fool Right mm-hmm. because you don't know everything There right. are <laughs> you don't know everything And there's always going to be someone who knows Better than you and you have to be willing In any facet of your life To be able to accept The criticism of other people And yeah. I am somebody who I have a quick tongue. I'm quick to be, to, to be defensive. And I, but I'm also very introspective. And even Mm -hmm. like I was, I had a conversation with a friend of mine the other day and I said something, I responded to something that she said with a very just sharp, attitude. And, and I was, imme- I immediately felt it. And I was like, you know what? I apologize. Cause that was just not, it just wasn't a necessary response. Yeah, and yeah. she didn't even like, she didn't necessarily react to what I said, yeah. but the apologizing was, was an effort more for me to acknowledge for myself that I needed to correct. And I think that when you are, when you are somebody, especially when you have some, when you have issues, right. And we all have different variations yeah, yeah. of issues. But when you have stuff That you need to work through You have to be So willing to ded- Because the best people In this world The most successful people They're always Constantly improving The people that we admire Like if you think about If you're listening to this Think about the people That you respect mm-hmm. Think about the people That you admire Think about your mentors I can promise you They're probably people Who are constantly learning yeah. They're constantly learning About themselves They're constantly learning About their industry The like different things Just random factoids They're people who are after learning, after wisdom and the wit and people who are after wisdom and who are willing to be corrected Mm. will continue to rise and be successful because they're always going to be able to grow. If you just want to stay in a little box, then you're only going to be able to improve, but but so much willing to learn future as the limit, because you're always going to be willing to, to continue to push yourself forward.
1: Most definitely. Most definitely. I think, I mean, everything that you said, you got to have somebody, you got to be able to have constructive criticism to you, you know, because people want to take advice from people, but it's only about how to get there. Not, you know, no, but you got to fix this about yourself. Like they don't want to take self-advice when people are like, hey, what, this is what you got to fix about yourself. They want to hear that. So be able to take that criticism. But also what I liked about what you said, you know, with that story with your friend was self-checking. You was able to self-check, like, hold on, did I just, boom. And I think if we all got to a space, like me, you know, personally, but, you know, for listeners, I know y'all with me. Y'all walking with me. (laughs) If you got to a space where we all could just self-check, like, you know what, that is right, you know. And we find ourselves, you know, not in that space. We just kind of rattle off. We let those emotions take control, and they say the first thing that comes to mind. But if you could just, like, you know what, I stuck self-check, you know what, let me, I got this piece back. I think it really helped people out and, you know, help us all out and get to a better space. Right.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely.
1: Okay. So talk about like, you know, so like, those are some of the things that affected me in my career. And you talked about how some of your past started to affect you in your career. What are some of the tech, the things that you started to use to get past that outside of therapy?
0: So I guess I should talk about kind of the way that the yeah. kind of pivot point that I came to when I was so it was a simultaneous personal and professional development that was happening kind of at the same time. So I started my career as an attorney mm-hmm. and that was the only thing that I ever wanted to be. I was like, "Oh, I'm going to law school, I want to be a lawyer." And I get to law school and I'm, you know, hitting these goals. I get a job at this really great law firm and I pass these two bar exams and I get and I get my office and everything. Awesome. And at the same time, I was also Learning that I did not have to, I could shed expectations and burdens of my past to become a better and more full version of myself. Hmm. So this was happening, two things, like these things were happening at the same time. And I got to a point where i was like you know what i actually don't think i'm happy doing this mm-hmm. and in hindsight there are questions that i would have I, there were conversations that i should have had with mentors that i did not have at the time before i made my decision to leave so i will say that however what i started to question was why was i doing what i was doing mm. what was i what was i really good at what was I curious about? What did I find myself focusing on more, like in addition to the work that I was doing right in front of me, but what was I curious? How was I, what kind of questions was I asking? What did I want to know more about? And and my position just didn't really allow me to do that. And and what, did, what excited me? What was I really good at doing? And it came down to, I was very good at encouraging other people. Mm-hmm. I was very good at things related to giving advice for academic success, not somewhat academic success, but more like, like getting into law school school, doing really well for job interviews, professionalism, that kind of thing. And so when I started to think about that and recognize where I was, then I started to pursue things forward. So I guess the, the, the process was really self-assessing, yeah. was really asking myself the hard questions and not just accepting that because I was in a certain space, that this was the only thing that I could do, or this is where I should be just because I said I wanted to be here. Right. And like I said, and the title of it too.
1: Yeah, I mean like lawyer, right. like who's just saying, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna be a lawyer anymore.
0: Right. And that's and that's <laughs> and that took me and that was a hard decision. And right. and the good thing that I've I've come to realize is that once you're when you're a lawyer, and I mean, I don't practice, but my license is still active, right? So I could I haven't practiced in a long time, but you you what it really and to what your to your point is what do you, what is your identity based in? Yeah. And my identity to that point was based in the degrees that I had, mm-hmm. the job title that I had, the salary that I had. And as I started to learn in my personal life who I was becoming, that is when I was able to sh- recognize that my professional like title was not my identity. It was a part of what I did, but it was not who I was. And that lesson, I'm still learning that and it's become much more solidified then. But at that time, that was the thing that I was wrestling with. And a lot of people... It can kind of feel that struggle, yeah, but yeah. they don't de- They don't dive into it and actually try to figure out what that struggle is about. They know that they're uncomfortable. They know that the job that they're in is not really the job that they want. They know that they, could, they have a skill set or there's something that they really love doing and they're not quite doing it because they're comfortable, because the salary is good, they have the benefits, because life is real and you can't just pick up and just run after your dreams in a heartbeat. (laughs) But once you start to have that, a lot of people, when you have that recognition, a lot of people just kind of stop and accept the discomfort and be like, oh, this is like this for everybody. This is how I have to stay. And and based on where I was at, I was like, I'm not staying somewhere where I'm not happy based on what I'm learning about myself now. I'm not going to do it.
1: Man, you see so many people do that. like Discomfort, is like people's happy, man. Like, and I, I mean, it's a discomfortable happy, too. Is I, I see people, a lot of times, they stay in situations because of tradition. They stay in tri- situations because they've been told this is the right thing to do. You're supposed to get this job and, you know, work here 30 years and retire and all this other craziness. But, you know, because these are the things that we've been taught. And it's not to say that these things wasn't true or real for the person that told you these things. But times are changing and belief systems are changing. You have to acknowledge what is true for you instead of what was true for somebody else. And we don't commonly get into that space But I've watched you on this journey of uh, kind of figuring yourself out And embracing yourself Because I remember when you had long hair And mm-hmm. I remember when you went through your journey and you decided to do the big yes, chop sir. and all the other good jazz I yes, liked that yes, I was like, sir. yeah, look at that She was you. like, I'm about to and embrace I, me And if you I were so people, happy
0: I tell people that me cutting my hair I cut my hair in uh, in October And I tell people that me cutting my hair Has released a whole new level of of self-awareness and confidence that I didn't even know I was lacking. Mm -hmm. And it sounds really like, it it sounded really cliche when I first was thinking about it because it's like, oh, you cut your hair and all of a sudden there's this new birth, but it literally has been that. And it's because, and I think, so I think what I've been thinking about is how to encourage people to find their own version of a big chop. Mm -hmm. Like what is the thing in your life that is going to be somewhat of a dramatic change, like to go from having hair that was down to my back, and this is of course cosmetic, right? But yeah. to now, literally, to the hair that's not straight, it's short, and it's completely different than what I'm used to. Yeah. For there's something in everyone's life that is a version of that, right? And and what you don't know until you go through that journey is what you didn't have based on where you were. Like I cu- I couldn't have known that there was this comfort that I would find with my with my own Natural self hair, and my own yeah. faith just by cutting my hair. I wouldn't yeah. have known that. Yeah. But so that's why I say, like, what is, that, what is that change that you can make that will open yourself up to a whole new set of comfort with yourself and understanding and awareness and just confidence, really? And that yeah. has been such an amazing byproduct of this.
1: I love it because, you know, we, we identify American beauty by so many different things. And when we start to get back to who we can be are or whatnot, it's, it's, it's a grapple for people even our own culture like that's the biggest like the, the biggest hate us the biggest hate us is gonna be our own kind often I see this so I've seen people like why does girl's hair nappy what? You, right. what what you talking about like that's, men and but women but that's the, the because they've that's been, we've
0: been taught that yeah, that's we, what yeah. we've been socialized as we've been taught to not to not love our own our own skin our own hair our own textures our own voices all of these different things and it's like God created us uh, like he created all of us in respective ways and we're yeah. meant to above it, period. Right. And so, you know, that's been, that's been exciting. And that's been the thing that I think when I work with my clients is like, is confidence, not necessarily in their physical, but re- confidence in who God designed them to be. Yeah. And work. Through learning how how they have been designed, learning how their how their skills and how their gifts can be used, and how they've been using them, and how can we now package that towards this new opportunity that you're working on? And it's been it's an amazing experience seeing people come to that like new understanding of themselves and building up that confidence. It's really dope.
1: I love it. I was so. To get back to a little bit of, uh, you know, some of the, the good points is, like, let's talk about some of the the people that are out here, the listeners that are out here that are going through this. They're in these jobs. They could possibly reach these success levels, whether in their career or their life, and they're having— you know, they, they feel that there's this, this weight, this tug that they haven't addressed or something that that's back there in the past that seems to hinder them. What is, what are some of the steps or advice that you kind of give the people like that?
0: You have to get, get up close and personal with it Mm -hmm. because a lot of times there are situations where people suppress and they really like, they sometimes don't even remember some of the experiences that have caused them the pain. Right. But a lot of, a lot of times we just have not, we've been so busy trying to survive that mm. we haven't sat still and said okay what am i feeling like mm. why am i feeling this and and then from there because my philosophy is that if you are that ca- fulfilling careers start with fulfilling lives mm. we are taught that jobs and money will lead to a fulfilling life but there are people we th- see it all the time. There are people with all the success, all the attention, all the followers and all that, and they're miserable. They, and they and they are in pain. And that's because of things that have not been addressed internally. Mm -hmm. And so you have to start with what is that source of discontent? Is it the fact that you've pursued a dream that was not yours to begin with? Is it the fact that you know that you are meant to be working in doing a certain type of thing where like for example let's say you're someone who loves to crunch numbers but you're working with all these flowery words all day and you're like yo I don't want to do this this my (laughs) skill set is doing something else right Right? if you so you have to get clear about the source of your discontent before you can figure out how to address it and if you're not if you have not started to do that work it's never too late to start but you have to be you have to get real with yourself and acknowledge I am not happy where I am right now Mm -hmm. and that doesn't mean that you have to run away from where you are right now, but it means you have to fix something about where you are right now.
1: I like that. I think that's true. And I think that people really have a hard time with embracing that. But I like the the candidness about that so that people can take that and do some self-reflection. I think a lot of it starts with self-reflection. Like, hey, You know, just in that simple, that simple space. And like you said, staying still. I find myself on the go, 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 go. And I've had to take out time, like to break. Like on my schedule, this is just me time. Sit here think, meditate or whatever. And you will start to have all type of things rush in. Like I remember, like I I was on the go for years. And one day I just found myself in solitude and silence and just all these things just flushed into my head. I'm like, what is this? You know, and I, I'll never get to that space again. Like I try to take a little bit more time out so you can do that self-reflection. Okay. So they do that, you know, they do the self-reflection. What's the next step after they kind of get to that point, you know, to move forward?
0: So now it's figuring out. Okay, how, how? Who can I ask to help me like figure out what I want to do next? Because I think a lot of times, um, and I can speak from so many personal experience, when we stay inside of our own heads, mm-hmm. there's only but so much new, like novel revelation that we are going to come to inside of our own heads. And the reason why coaching is so valuable, and you'll know this, is that and even therapy is because what the the power of having someone say back to you something that you've said and hear something that you didn't hear because you were speaking it, mm-hmm. it, the revelations that come from that, it's just like, wow, I didn't even, I didn't even realize I said that. It's like, it's <laughs> like doing an interview, right? Yeah, like, yeah. We'll, we'll listen to this later. And I was like, oh, I don't even remember saying that, but I said it because it came out of my mouth. Yeah. But like, you have to get with figure out who who are the people who are going to help you see okay here's what this is what you're saying your situation is mm-hmm. okay let's figure out what we can do to move you from where you are right now to where you want to be but you have to know but you have before you can go to somebody and i guess and it's not to say that you have to have it all figured out before you go to somebody but it's like if i go to my supervisor's office and i say you know i i know i have a problem mm-hmm. but i don't know what it is she's going to look at me and say then I don't know what your solution can be. (laughs) Exactly. Like, I I literally can't, I literally don't know how I can help you. Right. So, like, you have to do that work and then enlist the support of people who are going to help support you in doing the next version of that work. And so, again, depending on the situation, it could mean that, Now I need to identify opportunities within the company. Mm -hmm. I need to figure out how to update my resume. I need to actually run away from this career altogether and do something else. But that's what, that's why having the conversation with somebody who's a trusted advisor, who's a mentor will help you get that back and forth and then help you tease out, okay, what do I really want? And what's this, how can I begin to outline the steps to get there?
1: I like it. You got to have that game plan. And the cool part is to, to get with mentors. I tell people get with mentors because they help fill in those gaps in the game plan that you create. You know, you're oh, like, yeah. oh, I'm going to do this, this, that, and the third. And they'll look at it like... Mm, a, B, and C is cool. I have no idea what you're doing from after that. Like, let's do this, this, that, and third because they've walked that path, they've seen that thing. Or and if they're if their ears to the ground, which I'm sure most mentors are, that's why they're your mentor. They can also tell you like, hey, this is a, there's been a shift. Or if you this go take you way too long. If you go, you know, go that way. I'm telling you right now, if you go this way, you probably get there a lot faster, a lot quicker, or whatnot. And that's key. It's key. And also to be receptive of that feedback and what they're saying because there's so many people out here that's where we know it all. (laughs)
0: Oh yeah. Oh yeah. But To your point earlier, we mentioned this earlier, you have to be careful because people give advice out of their own experience. Mm -hmm. And so you have to be in your mind to recognize the, and I had a very well intending, a very well intending mentor who never steered me wrong, Mm -hmm. but there was a certain anxiety about my career moves Mm -hmm. that made her anxious. Mm. And so she would kind of relay that on me a little bit. And so you have to be careful just to filter not to say, not you have to disregard, yeah, yeah, but yeah. if you know them well enough, then you'll be able to pinpoint, okay, I hear what she's saying here. I don't quite agree with that. And I'm going to be able, and that's why having more than one voice is yeah. good for you. You yeah. don't need a whole choir, right. but having two to three people that you can talk to, because eventually there'll be some consensus around what they're saying. And then there'll be the advantage of their individual experiences that will help. You get so to don't just good, take it all as the
1: gospel point. right up front. Yeah, I, I think I think that's another problem we have. And I tell people it's a, it's two different type of mind frames about that, and it's like you know I try to. Re- Look at it like uh, as consumers, people that go in the grocery store, and you have one person that goes like, you know, let's talk about the produce area, they go in, this is regular consumer, the grocery store consumer, they go in, and it's like, oh, well, they got tomatoes, apples, and bananas out here, and because they got them here, they should be good, so they just pick them up and grab them and go on out the door. But if you watch a farmer, a person that has spent time cultivating crops and dealing with produce and stuff like that, when they go into the store and shop, they're very selective about what they pick up and what they take away or whatever and it's all good food but they like no nah, that's not good that w- there we go that one's a good. this one, one, one is good. better exactly mm-hmm. so they were to filter we're all getting the same information but they were to filter through them like this i'm taking this this that and the third so we got to become formers of our lives and the information mm-hmm. that we uh, digest right
0: i like that that's good, <laughs> <laughs> that's
1: good. All right. So as we we start to wrap it up, you know, what is some of the the anything that you feel like that you could uh, share with the audience that kind of that we haven't really talked about yet that you feel like that I haven't gone over that you want to give to them.
0: I, I think that it's it's so important to to really be very comfortable recognizing that we are uniquely and wonderfully made. We're yes. fearfully and wonderfully made. And what that means is that We have the way that we show up in this world is different than any, than no one else shows up like you. Right. And it is the power of our success. Rest in our ability to embrace the things that make us who we are, and that's not to say that you embrace. You know how you hear people be like, "Oh, well, I'm just I'm like people who have an attitude about it. It's just like, oh, I'm just the I like to argue, so that's how. Not talking about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's just the way I am, right? Not talking about that, but like there are things that you know are hardwired about you that are the positive things about you, Mm -hmm. the things that draw people to you, and use those things, take advantage of those things, don't discount those things. Those things are keys to helping us have fulfilling experiences in the roles that we have, but because we're so used to keeping our head down, doing the work that's right in front of us, that we, or because our gifts are so close to us, we dismiss them because they're like, oh, this is easy. Everybody must be able to do it. Recognize that you are uniquely, like you are uniquely you and embrace that and do not be afraid of that and use that to your advantage when it comes to thinking about how your career can and will continue to evolve. Otherwise you'll just be like everybody, And nobody wants to be just nobody wants to hire just everybody else. They want to hire you. They want to put you on their project. So you have to be willing to let you shine so that they can do that.
1: I like it. I love it. So we definitely going to link everything that you're doing. I mean, I, your website, the uh, the podcast that you got. So tell them people what the, the title of the podcast is real quick.
0: The title is How Does She Do It? And it's a podcast about the intersection of personal development and professional growth. And it's been three years going. And yes. I love it. Now we are putting up our 93rd episode as of, it. as of recording the 93rd episode's coming out soon. So
1: Nice. And see, for our listeners, she is the one that pushed me in. Like I was telling I was like... She's like, when you go do this podcast, because I was telling her about it, and she's like, when you go do it. I was like, I'm gonna do it. I'm having this problem, this problem. She's like, just get out there, and and here we are. So here we are, here we are. <laughs> so she has definitely pushed me down the road, and then you know, also the motivation. So if y'all go check her out on IG, like, she gets up at five a.m. every morning, got some positive say to the people. Like it's like clockwork. Like she, <laughs> I get up like at four thirty, five o'clock, but I'm not consistent with IG, and I'm like. There she it's is. It's such a
0: habit. It's such a habit now. I feel, and I, the thing is, is when people, when I don't do it, people message me like, did you go to the gym today? And I'm like, I mean, not today, but I feel you now. I got to do it. I got to do it. So yeah, yes, exactly I how it. Works.
1: <laughs> Well, I really appreciate having you on the show. I think that people are going to gain a lot from this. You gave a lot of good information. You have a lot more information to give. So definitely I want people to go out and check out everything that Tiffany has. But also, um... No, I think you're going to be doing some other good stuff. I see some things coming on, you know, for you. So the future holds a, a round two of this discussion so you can get back and yes, talk about yes. some other things, especially some things that, you know, like one of the things I want to get off into the future is talking about conversations that we as a culture do not address you know, getting into that closet so that we can have those conversations and grow from um, it's one of the things I'm trying to write out in my new book. But I, I still want to have a good conversations like that with people like you.
0: I think it'd be great. Absolutely, my pleasure. Thank you so much for having me, Ken. I appreciate it. Yes, ma'am. I like his transition music, but I hope that you enjoyed that conversation. I would love to hear from you. Let me know. Send me a message. I'm at Tiff South. Tiff with two Fs on Twitter and Instagram. I think what is so powerful about just hearing your own (laughs) experience and hearing your own story is really um, me almost learning again from myself. And that's not to be gassed, but that's really just to say that there's so many layers to our own experiences and we only, we don't have the opportunity always to have conversations the way that I did with Ken, but we do have the option to constantly reflect and be present in our experiences. So, I know this was a longer episode. If you are listening to this point still, you are the real MVP. Let me know, take a screenshot, send it in your, send it, send me a message, put it on your Instagram stories. Let me know and I will reshare it. And until next time, be blessed and be a blessing. Peace.